This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 256. Hey everyone, before we get into this podcast with Tracy, whom I think you'll really like, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the things that I offer on my website. If you haven't already heard, I recently wrote a new book. It's called Love Your Veterinary Life. I'm super excited about what it can do for you if you're struggling in vet med and you really just want to change the way you feel about your career try reading my book. You can get it on Amazon or you can go to my website and there is a link there that you can click on that will take you directly to the place on Amazon that you can order it. Also, I have a Wednesday weekly words that I send out on an email every week. If you haven't already signed up for that, you can sign up for that on my website. And also I have a spot where you can get free coaching. So if you're tired of being tired, tired of being worn out with work and clients and all the things that life brings, try coaching with me. I think you'll get a lot out of it. I love coaching my veterinary clients and even my non-veterinary clients. And I also love getting coached. So I think you'll like it too. So go to my website, juliecapel.com or theveterinarylifecoach.com. Both of those will get you there and um, sign up for some of those wonderful things there. And as always, thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate your wonderful reviews and all of the supportive messages that I get. So keep them coming. Now let's get into this podcast. Enjoy. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast. Today, I have a wonderful guest for you. Her name is Tracy Plushcourt, and she is a personal and professional development coach, a certified life coach. She's the founder of Self Made You and the co-host of the Tracy and Gracie Becoming Podcast. And I'm thrilled to have her here on the podcast today. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Welcome to the podcast, Tracy. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Julie. Uh, Yeah, it's so nice to meet you. I'm really looking forward to this podcast so I can learn about what you do and and get to know you a little bit. It sounds like we have similar missions and I think um, the listeners will get a lot out of it. So I'm excited to have you here. Awesome. Thanks. So the first question I always ask all my guests is to tell me their veterinary story because a lot of my guests are vets, but tell me your life story. Tell me how you got into doing what you're doing now. Yeah, well, um, I came to the (laughs) crazy place of becoming a life coach, not through the normal path that you see most, most life coaches coming through or down. I actually came via advertising. So I was an advertising executive. Yeah, I was an advertising executive, um, for almost 20 years and, really felt called to help people in a different sort of way. I love business. I love strategy. Um, I really love mentoring people. So what I found as an employee was that I was really like, (laughs) I was an entrepreneur trying to fit into an employee's body. And it just finally 
doesn't like, work, right? It doesn't work. And it started to really like nag at me. I kept feeling like there was something more. And, you know, I had this, you know, back and forth where I would remind myself of how good I had it. You know, I mean, I had this dream job, but yet there was something in the back of my mind saying, you're meant to do something more beyond where you're at right now. And um, so I married all of my passions of mentoring people and of business strategy. And I left the corporate world. I went and pursued a life coach certification. I've been certified in several different modalities and then created my own business that I can be very strategic with. So that business is called Self-Made You, and its mission is to eliminate the unnecessary suffering that is going on in the world um, by teaching people how to think differently. I think most of us who have had any sort of educational experience, we can all agree that that experience has been full of being taught what to think, but we were really never taught how to think. We really weren't taught the um, neuroscience of our particular brain. We all have that three pound organ that exists between our ears and you actually can be operating from one or the other part of that brain. One part, if you are reacting from it, it tends to sabotage you. The other part really creates extraordinary intentional results. And so I teach people the difference between the two sides and how one side, the primitive fear-based part is the stronger side because it's the side that's been utilized the most. And so just by default, it is stronger. We default to using that part of our brain, which like I said, often ends in self-sabotage. It ends in you know experiences that we'd rather not have and so i teach people you know just to have an understanding of that so that they can stop that self-loathing cycle where they start really thinking of themselves as the problem like they think they are the common denominator to all of their problems and i teach them to start thinking of themselves as the solution and so we use self S-E-L-F as the framework to teach people how to think differently. I love that. I, I, just so you know, when I talk about the primitive brain on my podcast and when I'm writing and things, I call it the Chihuahua brain because <laughs> to me, it, it feels like, or it seems like this little scared, freaked out dog that just bites and, and, you know, gives you all these terrifying thoughts before you even have time to control it. Yeah. And so I, I, for some reason, when I was talking to somebody about this, I'm like, it's kind of like a chihuahua. So it, it ended up being my chihuahua brain. I love so, it. Yeah. So explain that to people that haven't heard that primitive brain theory before, how does that control us? And then you can explain to us how we can work our way out of it maybe. And we'll, we can go through some examples. Yeah. So it's the part of our brain that is missioned with keeping us alive. So it has a purpose. So I never want to like villainize it, demonize it. It's, <laughs> I want people to understand that it actually has a purpose. The purpose right. is to keep Keeps us, us alive. Safe. Yeah. And keep us safe. It wants to 
avoid pain. It wants to seek pleasure and it wants to be really efficient. So it's the part of our brain that's responsible for keeping our heart beating without having to think about it, keeping us breathing without having to, you know, intentionally say it's time to take a breath now. It's the part of our brain that keeps us from walking out in front of a bus, right? So it has a purpose, but we aren't in a lot of danger and yet it still offers us all of these very dramatic thoughts. So, you know, if we are on a diet and we're walking through the kitchen, our primitive brain gives us, offers us a thought like you better eat that now before it's not there. Right. Yeah. Like a a scarcity mentality. Yeah. 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 And the truth of the matter is, is like cookies are widely available, you know, but it really wants you to believe that you're in danger of never being able to have a cookie again. And you better, you know, take advantage of the moment. And that thought, like that think, feel, act cycle happens so quickly that often you don't even recognize what just happened until, you know, you've downed not one cookie, but three or four cookies. Now you're like, what the heck just happened? I'm on a diet. Right. And then it starts to feel like you're operating against your will. And then you start to make that mean something. And you can so easily see how this self-loathing spin starts to happen. And it's like, oh my gosh, I feel so out of control. And so this, you know, way of thinking, our framework, the self framework really creates a lot of self-control. It creates self-reliance. It creates, you know, confidence. And so I love the simplicity of the framework for sure, but I really love the results. And it is a completely different approach to living. It's really a way of operating that keeps you intentional. It keeps you aware of like that uncomfortable feeling that you might actually believe is just your way of operating, that it's just how life is. And I want you to consider it doesn't have to be like that when you're operating from your, what I like to call your prodigy brain, which, you know, doctor, scientist, probably other life coaches would say prefrontal cortex. I call right. it your, your thinking brain. It. You're more, you're less automatic, right? This yeah. is the less automatic part of your brain. It's the intentional part. Yeah. It's the part that you want to be in charge. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it is more extraordinary. It has the ability to respond instead of reacting. It has the ability to respond. So we know that, you know, your primitive brain isn't going anywhere. So we know that those narratives are likely to show up these fear-based narratives. You're going to hear them. The difference is whether or not you're going to, you're going to react or you're going to respond. So if you react, you think about like knee jerk reactions, they often don't end well. So the goal is to not react. The goal is to respond and you can respond from your prodigy brain. So it really takes you being more present, more present, more intentional, right? It has you on the lookout for either sabotaging thoughts that come from your primitive brain or unwanted feelings. Those are like my two like triggers. Like they kind of tip me off onto, oh, I'm operating from my primitive brain and I want to shift and I want to operate from my prodigy brain. So now the question is, how do you do that? Right. And so 
that's where our framework comes in, the S-E-L-F. And so the S stands for start with a decision. So simple. I know it's so simple that people will discount it and they'll be like, nope, it's got to be harder than that. I promise you it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so you start with a decision, any decision, like what is it that you want? And I like to teach this framework um, in the context of your day. So you, at the beginning of every day, you just start with a decision. What is it that I want from my day? Just make a decision. That kind of intentional question and asking like session has you by default operating from your prodigy brain because you are being you intentional. Think. Right. Mm -hmm. So right. you answer that question. So you're not only asking the question, you're answering the question. What is it that I want from today? And you can also ask yourself other questions that you, you're making decisions from, like, why do I want that? Really a great question to ask yourself because you can kind of tether yourself to that reason why. When you start to find yourself halfway through the day and you're losing sight or you're starting to believe that this is really hard, you can always go back to, why is it that I want this? Why is it that I'm working towards this? So that's another great decision to make, starting with a decision. What is it that you want? Why do you want it? The E is eliminating the self-sabotage. If you aren't aware of those primitive brain narratives that I promise you will show up, if you aren't aware of the ones that are most prominent in your life, you're so likely to self-sabotage yourself. But with the awareness that they are going to exist. They are going to show up. You are going to start hearing the thoughts like, I'll be happy when I finally lose the weight. Or they shouldn't have said that to me. Or I, sh I always quit before I hit my goal. Those are all the kind of judgmental thoughts that are, they're very universal. The, the self-sabotaging narrative of the judge is very prominent in most people's life. But if you know that to be true about yourself, you can be on the lookout for it. So those are the thoughts that you might be able to catch that might like trip your trigger and be like, oh. I am actually operating from my primitive brain because I'm being super judgmental. I'm judging myself. I'm judging other people. I'm judging circumstances. Some people will be like tripped by the feeling that they're experiencing. Right. So the judge realize that the thoughts creating that feeling. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So for me personally, I am more aware of the fact that I'm operating from my primitive brain by the feeling that I'm experiencing. I'm not as good at, at catching the thoughts. Some people are, right. but I'm not. I notice the guilt, the regret, the shame, the disappointment all come from those judgmental narratives. So we offer a saboteur assessment that really helps people recognize which um, saboteur narratives are most prominent in their life. So there's 10 of them, but like I said, the judge is the most prominent, but there's the people pleaser. There's the 
controller, right? That like no one else can handle it. I want everyone to think of me as competent. Therefore, I need to do it. And things have to be done perfectly. Perfectionism, um, yeah. That's yeah. a big one for veterinarians, if you didn't know that. <laughs> yep, yep. We're very perfectionistic and control freakish in a lot of ways. So those, yeah. are, big, those are big sabotagers for us. Yeah, I would guess that that stickler narrative where um, you have this like high need for order and organization um, and it almost goes too far, like, um, and that starts to cause a lot of frustration, disappointment, um, suppressed anger. The thoughts that you might be hearing, it, uh, again, is if it's not perfect, it's not good enough. I have to avoid mistakes at all costs. Um, everything has to be in order and like in its proper place. Otherwise they might think that, you know, I'm not as good as, you know, or I'm not as credible. It's a lot of the imposter syndrome. Right. So mm -hmm. that stickler narrative, um, like I said, it causes a lot of frustration, disappointment, um, suppressed anger, but here's what I want you to know. If you are somebody who resonates with that narrative. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means that that narrative is showing up based on past experiences. It could be past traumatic experience experiences, but it also is actually birthed from some of your strengths. Usually the people that hear those stickler type narratives, they have high ideals and standards. They're very principled. They are able to bring organization into chaos. They're capable of leading themselves and capable of leading others. Um, so I want you to realize that they're actually birthed from your inherent strengths, but what's happening is those inherent strengths are actually being overused and abused and it starts to show up in a self-sabotaging way. So there, like I said, there's 10 saboteur narratives that when you're aware of which ones are most prominent in your life, you're less likely to believe those narratives. You're less likely to react and you're more likely to respond because you're expecting it. So you're like on high alert. I know that I have this BS belief that it has to be tendency to believe, right? Yeah. yeah. And so now you're more likely to respond, which is going to reduce the potential of self-sabotage. So step one, start with a decision. Step two, eliminate the self-sabotage. Step three is to leverage your strengths. So when you're operating from the other part of your brain, the prodigy part of your brain, you have access, you can access strengths like empathy, discovery, innovation. You can start to navigate from your values. None of those strengths are available to you when you're over here in your primitive brain spinning out in fear. You cannot access empathy for yourself or for other people, you cannot be creative or innovative because you are like spinning out in all of these fear and base thoughts and unwanted feelings. Right. But when you're operating from your prodigy brain, all of those strengths are available to you. And that's when you can start to leverage them. So 
baked into this process, the S-E-L-F process, we get you operating from your prodigy brain because we have you intentionally starting with the decision. We have you intentionally being on the lookout for those saboteur narratives. We have you baked into this process. You are now operating from your prodigy brain. So now that you've knocked on the door, we want you to leverage the strengths that are available to you when you're in that space. And like I said, those are, that's empathy. You can empathize. You can have compassion for yourself. You're a human being. Of course, you're going to be having those fear-based thoughts, but you don't have to make that mean anything about you other than the fact that you're human. It's normal. Right. Because a lot of times what we do is we judge, we judge our brain for precisely the thing that it's supposed to be doing, but then yes. we create more negative emotions on top of, of that by judging. Like I shouldn't right. feel this way. Why do I feel this way? Something's wrong with me. I, I, I think that, um, and, and this is exactly what you're saying, but I think that it, it, um, it reminds us that we all have this normal primitive brain and it's all okay. Yeah, exactly. Nothing has gone wrong. Right. 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 But if we make it it mean, if we make it mean that, you know, we're a bad person or something has gone tragically wrong, we are going to stay in that primitive brain space and the negative self-talk starts to compound, which is reactive behavior. And it doesn't have to be that way. You can intentionally shift into operating from your prodigy brain. And I know easier said than done. So it takes a lot of, a lot of time and effort, right? And we often provide clients with other tools like mental fitness techniques that will start to quiet down that primitive brain chatter and help you shift from that primitive brain operation to your prodigy brain operation. That simply looks like, you know, deep breathing techniques. You know, I think a lot of us go to, you know, meditation, but Meditation, you know, sometimes you would need to excuse yourself, find a quiet place. Like that's not always it's not practical in the practical. in the short term, right? <laughs> right. So we offer just different me- mental fitness techniques that you can do like right here, right now, that bring you into a more present, intentional state of mind. That's the key. That's what the objective is. So we start with a decision, eliminate the self-sabotage, leverage those prodigy brain strengths like empathy and discovery and innovation. When you know you're by default, if you're using this framework, you're now in your prodigy brain, you're knocking on that door, now leverage those strengths. And then finally, the fourth step is finish with a decision. So this is very cyclical. If you think about this like as a flywheel, you know, it's just, S-E-L-F, you know, you're taking yourself, you're relying on yourself every step of every day. So it's very cyclical. So we finish with a decision that sounds like, what is the next best step? What's the step that I can take right now, this very minute that is so easy, it's almost hard not to do. I love asking myself that question. What can I do right now? That's so easy. It's almost hard not to do. That's the measurement. You got to come up with something that's so easy. That's almost hard not to do. And then the second decision that I want you to make is how do I want to be feeling? I'm going to make a decision about how I'm going to be feeling 
as I'm executing that step. So you're making a decision ahead of time about what is it you're going to do. You're not leaving it to spontaneity. You're not leaving it to chance. What is it that I'm going to do? It's going to be super easy. I'm not going to self-sabotage and make it super hard, super easy. And how do I want to be feeling as I'm executing that? Like that's the game changer right there is deciding ahead of time, not necessarily putting the emphasis on what it is I'm going to be doing. The emphasis goes on how do I want to be feeling? That is the game. Well, and that changes the way you're thinking like that, the, the action step and the decision that you're making and the feeling that you're choosing is going to help you actually think clearer. Correct. Yes. Correct. So yes. So I use again, a day, (laughs) something as abundant and universal as a day. I know we all have got one. Right. Really teach people how to use themselves as the solution to getting what it is that they want. So I take them through, this is what our planner looks like. You can get it on Amazon, but it has the understanding yourself page where it just asks you basically all these same questions I just I just threw out there. And then it actually has the daily planner and it's you know hour by hour, 12 hours of your day broken out into half hour um, segments where you are not only in the first column, you know, putting where it is that you're supposed to be and when, the second column is deciding ahead of time how you're going to feel while you're executing. And then the third column is what would I have to be believing in order to feel the way I just decided I want to feel. So it's a completely counterintuitive approach to planning out your day. It creates a self-made day. It creates the day that you want to be living. It creates an extraordinary life where you stay in control. So it's very counterintuitive. Most planners put the emphasis on where it is that you're supposed to be. And what do I have to do? What's my to-do list? Exactly, exactly. And we put the emphasis on making a decision ahead of time about how it is that you want to show up. How do you want to be feeling and supporting that decision with, and this is what I'd have to be thinking and believing. And it's not about a mantra. It's not like, oh, let's Google a mantra. That's going to make me magically feel that way. You have to to ask yourself, what is it that I believe that creates that feeling? Okay. And so I'm guessing that if you were to do this um, on a daily basis and make these decisions and plan your day this way, that basically what you're doing is you're retraining yourself to think differently from the get-go. Yes. Rather than waiting for those those primitive brain thoughts to show up and then fighting against them. Like, because that's what we have a tendency to do, right? Something it's we hear something that we don't like, and then we we try to fight with it or tamp it down rather than switching the way we're thinking right from the get-go. Right. And so then when those those thoughts come up, I'm guessing they're easier to switch back to the more positive things that you're yeah. trying to create, correct? Yeah, yeah. It really, it trains you to be more um, aware of the unwanted thoughts and right, more aware right. of where they're coming from. It really starts to strengthen the part of your brain that has gone, you know, minimally used for most of your life. And so that's the real objective. It's it's almost like a mental fitness tool, right? Isn't because- it the best thing about life coaching though? Is is like 
we should have been taught this when we were like five, right? Yeah. How, how to think this way. And and yeah. nobody ever teaches us this stuff, which is yeah. it's so important. And that's why I created Self-Made You. Yeah, it's I love it. Cool that you can learn how to think differently because yeah. it really is the missing curriculum from all of our educational experiences. And like I have two two kids that just graduated from college and neither of them graduated with an understanding of how to overcome problems and how to actually go after their goals in a way where they retain control. Like they think that the solution exists outside of them. Right. That's what most people. That's what we're all taught. right? Right. Exactly. And I teach, no, no, no you rely on yourself to overcome your problems. You rely on yourself to achieve your goals. And this is how, and it's these four steps just over and over and over. Yeah. And And people are practicing it. Yeah. So let me, let me just see if um, we can go through some sort of example that I think will speak to um, a lot of people that listen to me in the veterinary world. They're, I, I would say the big themes that I hear from veterinarians are um, the imposter syndrome or the lack of confidence mm-hmm. in their work day because of the fact that they think they have to be perfect or they think they can't make a mistake, those kind of things. So we could either go down that road and talk about that, or I don't have enough time. It's too overwhelming. There's too much going on, which you know are kind of similar, but Which do you think would work better for you to work through like the example of how you would solve that? Well, both of those examples could be solved with. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, um, let's use the time. Okay. That that's one that like it's too busy. There's too many clients. I can't handle this. I'm overwhelmed. I can't think, you know, that kind of. Right. So there's so many flavors of that, like scarcity type mentality, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have enough or there's too many, you know, too many demands on me. I don't have clients, not enough time. Yep. That's a big one. Yep. And so if you notice either that, that line of thinking, or you notice the unwanted feeling, because what's, what do you think is the emotion, the vibration? Oh, it would be stress or anxiety. I think, I mean, people are understanding anxiety more and more. Mm -hmm. I I used to just call it, I'm stressed out, but as I've been trained longer, I know it's really anxiety. Like we're anxious about what's going to happen next. So I I would say stress and anxiety are probably what's going to come up for most people in this situation. Okay. So it's, they're either noticing the thought patterns, they're noticing the feeling patterns of the stress and the anxiety, or sadly, they might be noticing kind of the habitual pattern of creating an experience that they do not like. Maybe they are coming home after work and just you know, they're either hiding out in, you know, the bedroom with a glass of wine, which then leads to two glasses of wine, which then leads to the bottle, or they are lashing out on, you know, loved ones who really just want some of their time. Um, You know, maybe that's where you start to recognize something is off that, yep, that there is a different way of living out your life of operating and you're done with this way. So it might happen at the 
thought level. It might happen at the feeling level and it might happen at the, the outcomes, the results that you're experiencing. Regardless, it's always a great time to decide, you know what? I don't want to feel like this anymore. And I'm so like privileged to be able to share with you. This is how you'll move out of creating that habitual cycle over and over and over. So I would then ask, what is it that you want? So you notice that these are the thoughts. You notice the anxiety and the stress. What is it that you want? So just notice we are starting with a decision. What is it that you want? And I'll just tell you that I get a lot of clients who that question stumps them. They're yeah, like, they say, I don't know, because mm-hmm. they want to feel, I think ultimately they want to feel better. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I would, I would hear okay. uh, or, you know, I want to like my job again, or, you know, those kind of things. But I think it all comes from their feet. The feeling part of it is not fun. Yeah. So they want to feel better. What do you mm-hmm. think if, if you had to name the emotion that they want to be feeling? What do you think it is? Um, I would say co- either confidence because that comes that kind of the opposite of the, of the imposter syndrome or mm-hmm. just calmness. I think, you know, it, if you can't be calm when you're doing what we do, it makes everything else more difficult. Mm-hmm. So kind so of confident, calm confident calm, yeah. control. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And why? I know you just said, because, you know, without that, they can show up better. Yeah. 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 Because they get snappy with their coworkers or they're impatient with the clients or even the pets, you know, on a really stressed day, you can actually get impatient with the pets, which I've felt before where like, Oh, I hate dogs, you know, which is so untrue, but that's what your brain tells you is like, Oh, I hate, I hate dogs because they're jumping all over me or whatever. You know, it's those kind of thoughts. Yeah. So you made a decision about what it is that you do want. You want to feel more calm, more confident, more in control because you want to like enjoy the experience around other people. Yeah. And you don't want to hate your job, right? Correct. So you've made that first decision, which is a quantum leap in the right direction. Cause now that has you being intentional, making a decision is being intentional. So you are now knocking on the door of your prodigy brain. You have now shut, you've left the room of primitive fear-based thinking because you are over here making decisions, right? You're recognizing what it is that you don't want, which is strengthening the part of your brain that needs to be used. You have that heightened sense of awareness, which is huge. And you're making decisions. So now you can eliminate the potential of self-sabotage by recognizing what are the patterns? Like, do I see a pattern of thinking going on here? Do I see a pattern of feeling like which saboteur narratives are most prominent in my life? Like you had mentioned earlier, like the hyperachiever. That is that, you know, for a lot of professionals, um, often healthcare professionals, they are of the belief that they can never be satisfied. Good is not good enough. If I don't succeed, I'm a failure. It's kind of, it's very black and white thinking. I have to be the best 
at what I do. There's always room for improvement. It's that narrative is very dependent on constant performance and achievement in order for them to feel validated. So there's a heavy focus on external validation. Um, there's um, they need attention and acceptance from others, um, which tends to lead to very unsustainable workaholic type tendencies. And right. they tend to lose touch with those deeper emotional and relationship needs. So I think that that's probably, it's my, it's my number one. So when right. I do the saboteur assessment, hyperachiever is always a num the number one, right. but what I want you to, and the, and the emotions that hyperachiever narratives start to create is a feeling of unworthiness. Um, oftentimes it's like a lack of credibility. Um, you feel empty, you feel depressed. Uh, you have a fear of intimacy, a fear of vulnerability, but what I want you to know is that that narrative, that saboteur narrative is actually birthed from your strength that is being overused and abused. So your strengths are that you're a driven person. You're very pragmatic. You're very goal oriented. You're highly adaptable. You're self-directed. Um, you're very capable of growing yourself and other people. But those strengths are being overused and abused. And so knowing that, knowing that those thoughts are going to be there because you are that person, that pragmatic, driven, goal-oriented person, now you can be on the lookout for it. And you can remind yourself, untrue. Those thoughts are not true. You can even ask yourself, what's true about that? What's untrue about that? Like, you're giving the space to actually kind of debate that saboteur narrative and debating it. You'll quickly recognize how it's almost always false. It's highly dramatic and it's meant, it's meant to be dramatic because it's meant to keep you safe. Right. But if you look around, you're like, yeah, I'm not in any danger. Yeah. So recognizing, okay, so it's the hyperachiever narrative that's kind of rearing its ugly head. And these thoughts aren't even true. And you can ask yourself, like, what is true? What else could be true? In what ways is this untrue? Like asking yourself those questions really starts to extinguish not only those thoughts and those beliefs, but the feeling. Yeah. So your higher brain is challenging your Chihuahua brain, as I call it. Yes. You're um, taking, taking what you know about yourself and saying, oh, I hear you but that I've already decided that that isn't true. And so now yeah. I need to think differently. Yes. Yeah. So that's so then, part of the, the eliminating the self-sabotage stuff. Ex yeah? Exactly. Okay. And so now that you are more aware, that is going to, just by virtue of being aware, you're going to limit the risk of self-sabotage. Right okay. here is usually, if I'm working with a client, like one-on-one, -on -one, right here is where I'm like, Let's do a deep breathing exercise. Let's um, do some sort of like um, high sense um, exercise where I can get them really intensely focused on a sensation or a sense like hearing, um, 
seen. So if I'm talking to them and I can look them right in the eye, I'm going to laser focus on something about what I'm seeing. Right. Um, and if you do that for two minutes, like a deep breathing exercise, um, trying to find the ridges on your thumb or index finger as you rub them together, that's a great sensory technique. All of those types of technique require attention. They require you to like be present, focus. require yeah. you to focus and be intentional, which again is leveraging your prodigy brain. So I'll usually support that crossover from the primitive to the prodigy with some sort of technique like that. Yeah. Um, but now that we know we're operating from our prodigy brain, now this is where we can really leverage those strengths that we have access to. And we're not only now escaping the fear and those unwanted feelings, we're, that's not the only thing we're doing. What we're really doing is we're going to leverage the fact that we're operating from this other part of our brain so that we actually get an, an extraordinary result for ourselves. Because I want to really prove to people, this is where you want to be operating from. So I want them to get an, an extraordinary result. And by tapping right. into empathy for yourself, you're going to start to feel unconditional love you're going to start to feel compassion, which is starkly different than the stress and the anxiety that you were feeling over there. So right. I would ask you, I would prompt you with like, what's the most loving and compassionate thing you can tell yourself right now? So if you're in that spot of feeling overwhelmed about your imposter syndrome or whatever, it would be something like, well, you'd have to do some work, I would think, to know what those things are, but it would just be like telling yourself that you're a great veterinarian. I know what I'm doing. Um, I've done this a hundred times before. Um, those kind of thoughts, I would guess. How normal and natural it is to have those primitive brain thoughts. We all mm. have that part of our yes. brain. Yeah. Um, Recognizing that. Yep. Recognizing maybe the triggers for yeah. those kind of thoughts, right? Like I, I gotta believe that you are in, you know, high stress trigger, you know, like, um, a the, trigger rich environment, trigger rich. <laughs> yes. That's a great way of putting it. There's right? a lot of things that go on in a veterinary hospital that are high, high stress, right? Yes. yes. And then we add our own by, by not being confident and not doing the work that we need right. to do. Well, and not having the compassion for yourself that you're actually in that environment. And so mm -hmm. that's what it would look like to have empathy for yourself. You can right. obviously have empathy for the animals. You can obviously, and I would guess most veterinarians are probably really good at that. And what they probably lack in is having empathy for themselves. I would Absolutely. guess. Yeah. Absolutely. And so being more mindful, asking yourself that question, what's the most loving and compassionate thing I can tell myself right now? That's a great question to be asking yourself when you're operating from your prodigy brain, right? Um, you know, how would my future self advise me to handle this? Like the decisions that need to be made right now, what would my future self, the, the self that's a year out who I get to decide who she is, what would they tell me? What would my elder, wiser, more experienced self tell me, you know, trying to gleaning some advice from them. Right. Um, 
what are my values? Navigating from your values, like mine, I in being inclusive and being generous. Okay, that's going to help you make these next steps, like tapping. If into you can that. stay in that, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yes. And so that's how you leverage <laughs> those strengths. So now you are in this place where you're feeling compassionate. You are now like ready to believe something different. You've have all sorts of available new thoughts that you have come up with that you're receiving because you're in this intentional space. And now asking yourself, what's the next best step? What's the step I can take right now that's so easy, it's hard not to do, that's gonna get me closer to what I said I wanted in question one, right? I want to be mm -hmm. living a, you know, less stressful life. I right. want to be living with less anxiousness. Okay. Well, what's the next step that I can take? That's so easy. It's hard not to do. Yeah. Any ideas on that question? Um, well, if, if I picture myself standing in a veterinary hospital, that's super busy and I'm stressed out about that, I think maybe it would be, um, maybe it would be just reading my record and deciding, you know, how I'm going to enter this room or being open to the other emotions that are to come. I mean, there, there is a lot to think about, but I think just the steps is maybe just reading through the record. So I know what's going on when I walk into the room, because now I'm centered. Yeah. Now I, I am calm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're giving me some really good thoughts too. Like I'm centered, I'm prepared, I'm calm, which is going to create what type of feeling? Calm and calm and centered, which is kind of what we said at the beginning, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's how quickly, how simply you can utilize yourself to solve any problem, to achieve any goal, to navigate stressful circumstances. That's how easy it is. Yeah. And it does, it does take practice to get, you know, like really to good. To know the steps and to recognize, I would think the most practice that you'd have to have is recognizing those thoughts. Cause I think a lot of people don't know what's yeah. going and on in that, in that primitive part of their brain a lot of times. Yeah. And I'll be really honest with you, Julie, like I've been in the industry now for six, seven years as well. And I still don't recognize the thought. Oh, well, I, that's why I always say that we all need coaches and we all yeah. need therapy and we all like, we all need people outside of ourselves to help us with this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest misnomer. And I, I don't know if you find this with your coaching is that people are a little embarrassed to say that they need help yeah. when in reality, we all need help. Mm -hmm. Like we all have that scared little person telling us that we're not enough. And right. that is what I'm trying to solve by being a coach. And I, and that's what yeah. you're solving as well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, yeah, I get coaching at least twice a week from yeah. another coach and it's incredibly helpful. And I don't have as easy of a time recognizing the primitive brain saboteur thoughts as I do recognizing the feelings. So that's yeah. what I've gotten good at is, but that's is what you know about yourself. Yeah. And, that, and I always, I always say this to people that I coach is the re, the real first step in any of this is understanding you and where you go and yes. what, what are your negative emotions that you use or, 
your coping tools, like the overeating or the, you know, you talked earlier about over drinking, like what are the things that you use to try to cope mm-hmm. that are not healthy, number one, and then try to figure out the why, the underlying yeah. why, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I spent the bulk of my life believing that I was the source. I was the common denominator to all of my problems. And it really wasn't until I started to understand myself like SELF, as well as me, the being right. <laughs> that everything changed. Yeah. Absolutely everything changed. So yeah. I, a, like I said, difference. that's why I started self-made you is so that people can really reduce, if not eliminate unnecessary suffering by understanding themselves. Yeah. I love that so much. So what did we not talk about that we should have before we start to wrap this up? And I could see us doing this again and again. (laughs) There's so many things that people could learn from this discussion. So I'm glad. what did I not touch on? I feel like we touched on a lot. Yeah, I would say the takeaways would be, you know, learning how to make decisions ahead of time and not necessarily in the context of what it is that you're intending to do, but more in the context of how it is that you want to feel. Yeah, I love that. What kind of feeling do I want to have today? That would be a good question that you could wake up with every morning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, work on expanding your vocabulary around emotions. Most of us have a pretty short vocabulary, you know, it's like yes. either fine, happy, sad, you know, glad, right. and, and really expanding that vocabulary. You can just Google a feelings wheel and yes. really have an unlimited amount of emotions available to you and just kind of try them on and see which one most resonates with you. That heightens your awareness right there, doing those kind of intentional things really start to strengthen your prodigy brain. So um, I would say those would, you know, really getting more in touch with emotions and making decisions ahead of time are the two big takeaways. I love it. I love it. Okay. So tell people where they can find you. They can find your calendar um, book to, if they yeah. want to on that, yeah. um, so- give us all the information. Yeah. The one-stop shop is really www.self-made and then the letter u.com. We offer, I know that, you know, sustainable change comes from insight, which I've just given you today. I've given you kind of that lesson on how to utilize yourself, but that's only 20%, 80% of sustainable change comes from application. Yeah, it's the work you put in, right? I think you don't realize that, that this this self-development, this self-understanding is work. We have to actually put in the time and the work right. in order to fix, fix. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to yeah. use that word, but. Yeah. Change. Right. Change. Yeah. And so, yeah. So yeah. Sustainable change is 20% insight. It's 80% application. So I am on countless podcasts offering the insight for free. We also offer a way to apply it for free, like to really practice it. So we have what we call free coaching Fridays. Um, so every Friday you can show up on, on a zoom call, um, where you can watch people applying this to unlimited, you know, different topics, or you can raise your hand and you can get coached and I can help you walk through the use of this framework. So we, and we have 
a lot of other free resources that you'll find at selfmadeyou.com. So on your website. That's yeah. awesome. Well, yeah. I appreciate this so much. It's been really fun. I, it went by so fast. I can't believe we've been talking this long, but it's been great to meet you. I love the way you've outlined it um, with you. these with these four steps. It's great. And uh, I really appreciate you being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. So everyone, this is Tracy Pleshert. Did I say that right? Pleshcourt. Pleshcourt. I wrote it that way. Um, and I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks again. Have a beautiful week, everyone. Bye.